"'What are you doing with your Saturday off tomorrow?' Susan asked Kay. "'You know, I still haven't spent any time seeing the sights. "'I'd like to see Hyde Park and, of course, the changing of the guard at Buckingham Palace. "'The weather is so nice at the moment. "'I'll just wander around and see where I end up,' said Kay. "'The following morning, Kay headed out on her little adventure to discover some of London.' I've been living here for nearly three years and I haven't had the time to just wander. I loved going up to Manchester and spending my last leave with Rachel. It's lovely having her also in England. I wish I could get to Ireland more than once a year, thought Kay. The park was beautiful with its big lake. People hiring little boats, sailing around the lake, enjoying the sun. Hello came a voice from nowhere. You look like you would like to be out there. Yes, said Kay, still in her daydream. I'm Paul. I'd love to treat you. Oh, no, no thanks. I have somewhere I need to be, answered Kay. Make a poor soldier's day. It'll only take about a half an hour. Believe me, I know how precious leave is, and I have plans for mine. There are lots of civilian girls over there, and I'm sure you'll find a taker, said Kay as she walked away, heading out of the park. He was very good-looking in an English sort of way, thought Kay, as she headed through the gates of the park. Heading now towards the nearest tube station. I wish we had the tube in Dublin, she thought. She had read that London was the first place to have an underground ground rail. In no time she was walking up a very wide avenue. She could see the palace in the distance and was loving walking in the sun. A oh, blast! I've missed the changing of the guards. She was disappointed until she noticed there were ordinary soldiers no sign of a beef-eater standing inside the boxes. Suddenly there was a loud rumbling sound. Kay sees a really bright light coming towards her. She's flying backwards through the air. Kay feels very cold and wet. The smell is terrible. Why can't I move, she thinks. She opens her eyes, trying to look around. She is looking down into a wet, muddy puddle. I don't recognise this place. The noise alerts her to a sense of danger. Trying hard, she manages to get herself moving. She starts doing an army crawl as a bullet flies past her head. Good God, I'm on a battlefield. She crawls towards as a tree as fast as she can. Why do I feel so heavy? Two soldiers crawl towards her, pulling her forward to the safety of the tree. Peter, we thought you were a gunner. The soldiers lean her up against the tree trunk. My God, this is not my body. Sean, you go and get help. Peter's too weak. We'll never manage to make it over the mound. 
said Brendan. No, said Peter. I'll manage. Out there I suddenly felt something within me, a strength in me, as if somebody was lifting me. I still feel it. We'll make it. And they did by the skin of their teeth. Kay's mind is trying to understand, make some sense of what is happening to her. Have I died? Become the voice and inner strength inside somebody else's body? Somebody else's head, heart, mind? The voice of reason? Like I myself have taken comfort in when I was at my lowest. Kay took a deep breath and accepted her new role. I have always wondered what happened when you died. The long life question. Now answered, she thought. Now for the first time, she took a real look at her, the soldier. Blending in with his thoughts and his feelings. All panic now left her. She starts to soothe his pain and calm his racing mind. He begins to pray out loud. Two medics come running down the muddy trench, covered in muck from head to toe, slipping and sliding as they try to get to Peter as fast as they can. Are you all right, Peter? You look very peaceful. Stay with us, said Sean. I have never felt better, said Peter. Sean looks down at the blood-soaked uniform, starts to pray out loud. The medics, now with Peter on the stretcher, head back the way they came. Peter is now in the field hospital lying on a bed. He knows in his heart that something is helping him, whatever it is, he will be grateful to it for the rest of his life. His thoughts turn to his wonderful wife, Lizzie, and their two children. Even though he has spent little time with them, he loves them with all his heart. He has a soft spot for his little ball of butter, Snowball. Kay, in amazement, realises she is connected to her own father, she has never gotten to know him well, just stories told by her mother. It's going to take me a while to take this in, thought Kay. She starts to focus on his body wound. He has been so lucky the bullet has gone right through before he fell. The wet muck had become a friend. The bullet had hit no organ and the wound had been cleaned out. The only, they only had lavender oil, which the nurses had brewed up themselves. Kay caught thought, you don't know it, but that's the very best thing you could be using. A nurse came over, hoping he had not started to run a fever. His brow was nice and cool. You seem to be one of the lucky ones, she said. Peter answered, and don't I know it? Thank God. You get as much rest as you can. I don't think there will be any need to send you anywhere else. If you keep up this good healing, said the nurse, a smile on her tired, pretty face. 
That evening, the army chaplain came in to see him. I'm the army chaplain. How are you doing? I feel so blessed. Something or someone carried me, and still is, through this trauma. I don't often get an answer like that, said the chaplain. Kay, Kay becomes quiet and listens to the sound of her father's heart beating. This is so comforting, like a feeling of home. He is out of danger for a while. In a couple of weeks he will be back out in the front, in the wet and the muck again. Two weeks later, Peter is up and walking around, in no hurry to get back to the front. A living hell, he thinks. He almost wishes he had been more seriously injured, but that would fly in the face of God, he says out loud to himself. He sits down at a small wooden table and starts to write a letter. My darling Lizzie, all is good here. I have mended very well and I have had a nice break from the front. The letter is full of loving warmth. Kay marvels at how he can shield her mother from the reality of his day-to-day -day life. Getting to know her father in this way is a wonderful gift. Suddenly Kay thinks of her mother, sister and friends back home and of the sadness they must now be feeling. They must have received a telegram. Lizzie, I have to tell you of the wonderful, wondrous thing that has happened to me. I know it was your prayers. I was running when a bullet went right through me. I fell in the wet muck. I couldn't move myself when suddenly I felt a burst of energy move me forward and I started to crawl to the safety of a tree. Sean and Brendan crawled out to meet me, pulling me to safety. This energy is still within me. I know it's what you call a guardian angel. I'll be coming home a new man, up first on Sunday instead of you having to drag me out of bed every week. Your loving husband, Peter. Okay, men, whispered Captain Gilbert. There are four trenches between us and no man's land. Our object is to take out the big gun that's milling down our men by the dozen. We will wait for dusk to make our first move. Get what rest you can. Dusk arrived. Who's going over first? We will move forward in three at three at a time, using a low crawl, said Captain, said the captain. Sean, Brendan and Peter put up their finger up into the air. The captain nodded and the lads took a deep breath, Brendan going first. They made it to the first trench without any incident. They paused to get their breath before heading on. Now in the last trench, the others started to follow, as they had some cover at least. Brendan, Sean and Peter were aiming their rifles. All was quiet. The others now would have some cover and were heading through the trenches three at a time. 
Brendan and Peter started to walk the length of the trench to find a place to settle for a few hours. It was completely dark, very cold. The sky was full of stars, beautiful to look at, but no help tonight. Sean started to settle down. Not there, said Peter. Why, said Brendan. The little voice inside my head, said Peter. I'd listen to that little voice any day, said Sean. They moved on and around the corner to a narrow bend and Peter said, here. They both looked at him in surprise. The Germans built this. They know where all the comfortable spots are. Where do you think they have their guns pointed, said Peter. This is so uncomfortable, said Brendan. You have a spade, haven't you, said Sean. I'll go back and warn the others to do as we are doing, said Peter. Peter tells Captain Gilbert about the voice he has had in his head since he took his bullet. The captain feels sorry for him. No, really. It was the best thing that ever happened to me. Listen. There is some natural cover and rocks out there. We must not head for them. The German knows that's where every soldier is most likely to head and their guns are already trained on them. Also, they built this place and they know the most comfortable places to rest. The soldiers need to move out of them and dig their own comfort. Wherever you get got this from, it makes sense, said Captain Gilbert. He gave the order very quietly for and passed it on for all to move and start to dig and dig very quietly into a new space. They were nicely settled as the first dawn light touched the sky. Peter crept out first to find the hollow in the field that the voice had told him about. He found it and signalled to Brendan and Sean to follow. As the light brightened, they were in a much better position than the Germans imagined. The Germans started shooting at the rock cover and the trench as in and the trenches, as Peter had said. In moments the Irish had taken the big gun. They there were some losses, but nothing like there would have been if they had not moved. Later that day, Captain Gilbert sought out the three lads. That was inspiring approach, approach today. So many lives have been spared. Along with your service medals, I'm recommending the three of you for the bravery medal also. We are being relieved in a couple of hours, hopefully. We are heading back to base. The three of you will be heading home on long leave. Home for the best part of three weeks. Marvellous, thought Peter. The arrival of Pat. I, can, I, can I change the outcome of things, thought Kay. In two months, the war was over. The Germans were defeated November 11th 1918 they would be home for Christmas Peter was packing his kit back up for the last time 
they were now heading to London to receive their discharge papers and medals. They would be heading home to Ireland soon. Though some chose to stay in the army or to live in England, Peter couldn't wait to get home. Four weeks later, Peter fell from the tree. Kay feels as if she is falling backwards. Brightness seems to be dulling. She hears the sound. It sounds like babbling, a babble of geese on a farm in the distance. The Hospital, 1942. It's over six months since Kay had gotten caught up in the bomb blast. She is lying in a hospital bed, still unconscious. People are praying out loud. Oh, sacred heart of Jesus, did you see that? Shouted Rachel. Her head moved. They all stared. Kay lay without any sign of movement. Susan ran out of the room to fetch the nurse, her heart pounding. She has moved, she has moved. The nurse and Susan run back into the room together. Kay is still lying without moving a muscle. It happens sometimes. There is an involuntary movement. I'm sorry, said the nurse. No, it's not that. It's as if she's been lying there empty for months and she's just arrived back, said Rachel. A, quiet, a quietness came over the room, but nothing happened. Kay felt as if she was drifting in a deep ocean, held in place by a strong, swift current, just bobbing held in place. She was going nowhere and getting very tired. She knew she had to swim to the surface to follow the sound. She had to keep trying. There you are, Susan. You're late tonight, said the nurse. We've had a busy shift, said Susan. You really need to get your own rest. Here's a blanket. At least you can be warm. I would rather be here than in the basement at work. Thank God it's been very quiet for the past couple of weeks. Do you think they've run out of bombs and planes? With any luck. You're such a good friend, said the nurse. Kay would do the same for me. We have been through thick and thin together for the past three years. Any change today, asked Susan. I thought I saw a movement under her eyelids earlier, but I really don't know, said the nurse. At that, they both jumped at the sudden sound in the room, a sound of a deep breath. That's either very good or very, very bad, said the nurse. The nurse lifted Kay's wrist to take a pulse. She smiled. It's much stronger. She's fighting to get back to us, said the nurse. Nurse Mora was an Irish nurse from Mayo. She had kept a special interest in Kay's case. I'll go and see if I can drum up a cuppa and a biscuit for you. The nurse left the room. Susan sat down and took her best friend's hand in hers. You'll never guess what I, where I was on Saturday night. Go on, give it a guess. Okay, I'll tell you. 
I was dancing in this new place. You're going to love it. It's full of Yankee soldiers. They're so good looking and so smart in their uniforms and so sexy. Well, well finished. Not like our rough starch ones. Wait till you see there's the sailors. The girls are all drooling over them. But it's not the same fun without you. For God's sake, wake up. At that, Kay opened her eyes. For a moment, Susan froze.